The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Rise Radio with counselor and prevention expert Randy Havison. Recovery in various forms is something that many of us face every day. Most of us need some sort of intervention to start the process of rebuilding and reconnecting our lives. This program serves to empower you to find new ways of solving old problems. Now, here is your host, Randy Havison. Good morning and welcome to Rise Radio. I'm your host, Randy Havison, and thanks for coming back. If, if you've been here before, if it's your first time, thank you for tuning in. We have a great show for you today. And it, it's funny, I know I say that every week, but I get really excited about the people that we bring on here. And today is absolutely no exception. And as always, I want to give a shout out to all of our folks from around the world who are, who are tuning into the show. Um, all of our friends over in the UK, Thanks for tuning in, as well as those in, we have someone from Nicaragua, a couple in Australia, uh, Brazil, all over the world. I think we've hit five continents. So, you know, I appreciate you tuning in. And as always, if there's anything that I can do to answer your questions or comments, feel free to shoot an email to randy at riseradioshow.com. Uh, or randy at risespeaker.com. That's another way to get a hold of me. That's where all my speaking business and all that stuff takes place. So uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to hear your comments and questions. But without further ado, I want to get right to this because I, you know, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that college recovery has been a passion of mine for a very long time. And most of all, because I was in college when I began my recovery back in 1984. And back then weren't really many support mechanisms in place for people who were getting sober in college. And it was really, really tough for me to learn how to navigate higher education with my recovery and how to find that balance. It was it was tough. And back in those days, there was only one program back in at Rutgers uh, run by Lisa Leitman. And I didn't even know about that program. I mean, the communication wasn't like it is today, so I didn't even know about it. So I just struggled my way through, you know, and finally did get my bachelor's and my master's. But it sure would have been nice to have the support of other college students uh, in, in my early journey. So today, who we have on the line here is Daniel Fred, and he works with an organization called Transforming Youth Recovery. And they have been instrumental in really kind of highlighting what's going on with college recovery programs and helping to fund and implement uh, programs on campuses around the country. And, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what's the latest and, and what's going on with TYR and how many programs we have these days. Uh, because this is this is my thing. This is my number one passion: is getting students who have struggled with substance abuse disorders and putting them on the right track of recovery, or those who haven't crossed the line yet, uh, helping them to not cross that line 
at all. I mean, how great would it be if we could keep people from even becoming addicts and alcoholics? But once they do cross that line, having the recovery uh, support mechanisms is is really, really important. So today we have Daniel Fred, who is uh, the director of recovery programs and national outreach at TYR, and he's going to be joining us here in a minute. So you know what? Let me tell you a little bit about Daniel uh, and read his bio here so you know who, who he is as he's coming on here. Daniel is a snowboarder. That's the most important thing. But other than that, he has strategic responsibility for the TYR Collegiate Program and for the expansion and execution of its mission. Prior to joining TYR, Daniel served as a project coordinator for Nevada's recovery and prevention community at the University of Nevada, Reno, since 2012, along with coordinating NRAP for the Center for the application of substance abuse technologies, he taught the introductory class for S for uh, Cassatt's 18. I should have talked to you about that before to find out what that is. Cassatt's 18 credit minor in addiction treatment services for over six years. He helped in the replicating process of the NRAP program at Truckee Meadows Community College in Reno. He is a certified peer recovery coach trainer and has incorporated recovery coaching into NRAP, which is awesome. Daniel graduated from Texas Tech University in 2005, where he was a member of the Center for the Study of Addiction and Recovery. He then moved to Reno and co-founded the Nevada House of Prayer, where he was a collegiate director until 2011. Daniel has his Master's of Science in Human Development and Family Studies with a specialization in addiction treatment services from the University of Nevada, Reno. And Daniel, wow, that's impressive, and welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Thanks, Randy, man. It's so good to be online with you. Excited about today. I know, yeah. We met each other uh, back at Ohio State University at the, uh, what was it, the National Meeting for the Higher Ed Center? That's where yeah, we met, right? Yeah, a meeting that, that's come a long way. It turned into a really big conference with a lot of uh, collegiate recovery focus and prevention as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was so great. I mean, John and his crew there did such an amazing job. We actually had John as a guest a few weeks ago. So he was here oh. talking about the HEC and what they're doing. So that's why to do a follow-up and, and talk about what you're doing at TYR, I am just so excited about that. But the first thing I want to talk about, you know, it's it's really important to me to not just bring on guests who are like experts in their field and all that, but I like to know what's behind this. You know, what's behind it for me is, like I said earlier, I, I got sober in college and and my road back was really tough. And one of my purposes in life is to help others find that road to recovery and, and to make that road easier for them. So tell me a little bit about your journey and what brought you here and what, how did you get to Texas Tech? And tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I mean, actually, pretty similar to what you just said, I was able to... Uh, Really fortunate to get sober at a young age, almost just a shade under 22 years old. And uh, within a few weeks, was meeting with the, the then director at uh, Texas Tech Center for the Study of Addiction and Recovery, um, Dr. Kitty Harris, and uh, oh, wow. was allowed into that program and started started that program immediately. You know, with like I think I had a month sober, um, really going wow. to meetings and, and seminars. <laughs> And was into Texas Tech in that that next semester, which is about three months later. And uh, for me, collegiate recovery, I mean, literally changed my my life. I mean, it gave me 
you know, 80 to 100 students in the, in the center that were at the same place. We went to 12-step meetings on campus. We, we hung out together. We went to lunch together. We had classes together. We called each other out when you missed class. And uh, that first semester made the dean's list, and it was like for then on, wow. I just knew being sober was was what I was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, it's been a little over 14 years now, and since then has moved to Reno, um, got a master's degree, and then wanted to start the same program at the University of Nevada. And it's been a really successful program, and we've helped a lot of students. And now getting to do it on a, a national level at, at Transformer Youth Recovery is, you know, incredible that just by, you know, getting a new life, how much it yeah. opens up for you is, is is beyond my wildest dreams. God, and, and you know, it's so great to hear another huge success story because too often in the media we hear, you know, about the horrific things that are happening out there. And I just love hearing stories like yours because it's stories like yours that give hope to people that, yes, you can put your life back together. Yes, you can do something really significant with your life once you overcome your addiction, get into recovery. Anything is possible. And you're proof of that, bro. That's great. Yeah, thanks, man. And I, I agree with you. I, I totally believe, I mean, the, the truth is that most people don't make it out of addiction if they don't get into recovery. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we cover that a lot. The news covers that, the opioid, opioid epidemic. We know the, the overdose rates are alarming. But what people mm-hmm. aren't covering is there's really no middle ground. Once people get into recovery, they go on to do phenomenal things. They don't just kind of like stay alive. They do phenomenal things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think investing in our college kids who are in recovery is the best investment we have for our future because these are the kids that are going to change the world. They don't settle for just mediocre. Totally agree. And that's why I usually you know, recommend when I go speak on campuses and I consult with colleges that you know, utilize your recovery program students in your peer education programs. Have them go and talk to residence halls and, and Greek life and do a little bit of training so it's not just the, you know, their story, but how to use that story as an educational moment for these students because it can be really, really powerful. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's eye-opening for students to hear someone talking about how, you know, the road that a lot of these students sitting in these classes are on and where it led to their, you know, addiction. Um, it can be eye-opening as opposed to someone talking about something, you know, that uh, be, being aware of the dangers. I think it's eye-opening because, I mean, if we're being honest, in, in college, um, I mean, the potential for addiction is, is pretty high, and people aren't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so having another student say, hey, I was exactly where you're at. This is where I went, but guess what? There's hope, and, you, and, and life's fun without alcohol or drugs. Um, I think it's powerful. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that I also like to encourage students to do is to kind of create a reverse peer pressure where you go up to a student that you know is making some, some poor choices and some high risk choices and saying, hey, you know what? Don't go to that party tonight. Hang out with us. We're going to go bowling and watch a movie. You know, hang out with us. And then have him spend a night alcohol or drug free or her spend a night drug and alcohol free and go, wow, you know what? That was kind of cool. That was a lot of fun. So kind of that reverse peer pressure where you don't have to drink to have a good time. I mean, wouldn't that be great if that was the standard? Yeah. I mean, I, I think honestly to make it just as cool to be sober and go to college, get good grades, and have a, a really good time, experience life, um, and not have any of the negative side effects that come with, you know, even just misuse, mm-hmm. um, I think is, is, is a huge goal. 
I think that that can be a game changer for our culture. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Now, let's talk a little bit about TYR because uh, yeah. you've been involved for how long with TYR? Transforming Youth so Recovery I, I, is. You know, I've actually yeah. been involved with, with TYR, or TYR for a while and have known Stacy from, from the beginning. She was our first funder um, mm-hmm. for NRAP. I mean, our sole funder to really help us get going before TYR existed. So I've had yes. the unique kind of pleasure of, of seeing an honor of seeing TYR grow from, you know, its, its inception to what it is now. And then I've been working full-time with TYR since June 1st of this year, 2016. Nice. That's great. And congratulations on that appointment. I mean, I, it's what a great honor to be able to do this work. So Transforming Youth Recovery uh, was founded by Stacy Mathewson. And she, do you know when the, or the it actually founded? Yeah, it was in uh, 2013 was when she created Transformer Youth Recovery, and they began to give out their, their first grants for, for colleges that were starting programs. Mm-hmm. And now before that, you know, there were a handful of colleges that had recovery programs, Texas Tech being one of them, Rutgers, Augsburg, and there were a smattering of a few others. But the cool thing about what happened with TYR is it became the funding source for a lot of the new programs. Um, and, you know, Stacy is so generous in being able to say, look, if you want to put a recovery program on your campus, we'll help give you some seed money to get this thing going. Um, and in the first few years, I mean, if you know some of the history, do you know, like, how many campus recovery programs were in existence in the couple years before TYR and then how many the couple years after? Yeah, um, I mean, I, not an exact number because since, you know, 2006 or so, they began to grow a little more rapidly. Um, but anywhere between probably 20 and 30 were around. And uh, we've actually just finished giving our 100th seed grant. So we, in the last three years, have given out $110,000 grants for brand new collegiate recovery programs. And that's not including some of the ones we gave support grants that were, were already kind of up in existence or trying to get off the ground. Wow, that's great. So 100 more schools now have programs or support services for students in recovery. That's right. amazing. Phenomenal. Now, what I'm hoping is going to happen through this show is I would love to have some of these newer schools or maybe some that are thinking about starting a recovery program. So, you know, what I'd like to do is spend some time, what does it take to actually have a recovery program on a campus? I mean, is it like you need five staff people and you need an ongoing budget of $100,000? I mean, I think a lot of campuses that I talk to, there are a lot of misconceptions about what it means to actually have a recovery program on campus. So I definitely want to spend some time uh, talking about what that actually means. And is it a huge thing or, or what does it mean to have a campus recovery program? Yeah, I I agree. I think there's, you know, there's differences. We've we've always kind of had these models we looked at, and I think what's really unique in the field is um, we're moving from kind of a model perspective of trying to create a collegiate recovery program that has all of these things um, into more of a theoretical perspective as well as recovery support systems. And so trying to provide, 
you know, supports for students on the campus that fits the students' needs and fits the campus because the reality is is there's different needs. You know, a, a campus yeah. in on the West Coast may be different in the South or the Midwest or, you know, just different types of, of schools. And so we really want to work with those colleges to figure out what they need, what assets they have um, that's going to work the best for them instead of trying to make them look like this perfect model that may or may not even benefit their campus or their students. Wow. And and you know what? That's a really good point. And I like that you're making that distinction because I could see a lot of smaller campuses that would want to do something, but they see the Texas Tech model and it seems so overwhelming. It's like, I can't do that. So just to say, well, why don't you have a students in recovery support group in your counseling center? How about that for a start? So are those schools that can also qualify for the grants just if they want to do a small type program like that? Yeah, yeah. We have all different types of grants and uh, would love to get into it because we're going to be rolling out um, quite a few new initiatives uh, within Mm -hmm. the next month or so and, and more than willing to get into all of that stuff with you as well. Yeah, and I definitely want to do that, but I've just been told we need to take a quick break right here. So how about after our break, we'll get into that and talk about this new round of funding and what's going on and, and what's uh, transpiring there. So I'm, uh, we will be right back after these short messages. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. With topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems, Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. And welcome back to Rise Radio. I am your host, Randy Havison. And today we are, I am so thrilled to be talking to Daniel Fred from Transforming Youth Recovery, which is a national organization that helps campuses put together recovery programming. And I guess there's some new initiatives and some new things that you're going to be rolling out in the next month or so. And I'm really excited to hear what those are. So, Daniel, what, what do you guys have coming up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, we have a, a lot that we realized over the first three years, 
you know, when we started giving out grants, we realized there just wasn't a lot of support as well. And so um, besides just giving, you know, a $10,000 check, is, is we also provide three years of technical assistance. And through that, and we've done some research and some studies as well and some surveys, and so we feel like we've learned a lot about collegiate recovery. Um, and so a couple of things we're doing, we're rolling out kind of three big initiatives, I think. And the, uh, one of them is we're going to actually start another round of 100, um, we call them Seeds of Hope grants. And so these $10,000 grants for brand-new collegiate recovery programs or collegiate recovery supports. Um, and so over the next three years, we want to just keep doing what we've been doing and, and bringing new colleges on and just expanding this movement to more and more people that need help. Um, so really excited about that, as well as uh, we have a new initiative called our, our Roots for Hope grant. And uh, over the next three years, we want to take 50 of these schools that we've helped that are, are, are right on the cusp of sustainability and, and really do whatever it takes, whether it's site visits, um, helping them develop some toolkits, um, all of that to get them to a place to where the university says, hey, this is important and we want to pay for this. And so make it to where those mm. collegiate recovery programs are never going to go away. And so that's our second nice. goal. And then our, our third one is, is really simple. Is, is We look at uh, our community colleges and had a lot of requests and there was not a lot of recovery supports on community college, which seems like mm. a huge gap for our recovery community. And so uh-huh. we are starting a pilot program within just a few weeks. I already kind of contacted a couple schools, and we're going to take some that we work really well with and, and, and figure out what works on community colleges. And then mm-hmm. uh, within this year, want to give out 25 grants to community college recovery programs and see if it takes off. I have this, this, this feeling that community colleges are just ready to go, and we kind of come in with this, you know, this, this, cro- this crossroad moment to where we just kind of match up perfectly, and uh, I believe it's just going to take off. So we're really excited about the future here and also about just collegiate recovery in general. Yeah, and you know what? I agree with you. I think community colleges are really important because a lot of people, when they get sober, and you know, when I used to do Hero House, part of what I would do when when men, young men and women would come to our program, their first semester back, I would pretty much require that they would go to a community college in their first semester back to kind of ease them back into that academic world. And I think a lot of people do start their college career again at community colleges. So to have that support there, I can see that being huge. Right. Well, I mean, there's there's so many possibilities to this. You know, it's easier to get into a lot of four-year institutions if you have an associate's degree. And if you mm-hmm. look at recovery in general, recovery opens up your world. You know, we instead yeah. of trying to just make our dreams fit our lifestyle, we begin to realize we can dream again. And I think if, yeah. if we can help students at community college get that recovery support, and it opens up to they can go to really any college across the U.S. that has a collegiate recovery program and not be worried about finding a recovery program, but go based on what they want to, to focus on. So whether it's Ohio mm-hmm. State or, or Rutgers or, or you know, UC Berkeley or any of these places that, that come online, um, I think it, it's going to open up so many different opportunities for these students um, than we can even really imagine right now. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's a really good point because someone goes to a community college, then they go and they look and see all the different variety of four-year colleges that have recovery programs. What a great way to plug in. That's, uh, right. yeah, 
Awesome. Wow. Good for you guys. That's the, I, And I agree with you. I think that might be one of your biggest programs. That could have huge potential. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we're, we're really excited about it. It started with, I mean, honestly, we did a research study a couple years ago. We finished it about a year ago to see if, if this was a possibility, if it was even possible. And uh, we could not find that many programs. And so... Hmm. Unlike when, when TYR, we started giving money for startups, there, there is a history, you know, of, of 20, 25 years of collegiate recovery, mainly at three schools, but there was at least some history. Um, mm-hmm. And with collegiate recovery, I mean, community colleges were, were finding it, it just wasn't the same. And so it is really kind of a new frontier, but at the same time, as we put this out there and let people know, I mean, we're getting flooded with community colleges that are, are starting these programs already, um, and just need some help and some support. And so it's, you know, it's just a matter of time before it takes off. That's so great. And actually, we're going to have to talk later after we're done with this, because I have a couple in mind, too, that I think would be really, really good for you guys to, to be a part of. So we'll have to chat about that. Awesome. Love to. So, yes. So tell me about, let's go back to the first one. I forgot what you said that was called again, the the first initiative that you're... Oh, the, the Seeds of Hope, the, the $10,000 yeah. startup grants. Right. So have you already had a bunch of people come forward or you're just now announcing it or uh, where, where are you in, in that stage? Both, actually. So we're, okay. we're you know, having people come forward because, um, you know, they know about it. And we are, you know, like, like two weeks away from launching our new website at, at transformingyouthrecovery.org. And so um, we're kind of holding off with the new application and everything um, until this new website goes live. And so, I, you know, I'm sure you know how it is. It just, some things come back, and, and so we keep kind of pushing it out. So um, hopefully within, you know, the next couple weeks, month at the latest, we'll be ready to start taking applications and uh, start getting these programs online oh, and giving wonderful. out these grants. I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. So, okay, I want to go back to... What kind of a campus, like a lot of times there's that one person on campus Mm -hmm. that really wants to get something going. And what do you say, or, or what are some of the tips that you would give to a brand new person listening to this show saying, you know what, I would love to do a campus recovery program. I don't even know what kind of support I would have. I don't even know who I would go to. What are their first steps in order to get this, the ball rolling on their campus? You know, I, I, I mean, that's such a good question, and we get that. And, and quite honestly, that's where I was at the University of Nevada. Um, you know, I was, I was a grad student who was in recovery, um, had, had bombed out of my first year and a half at the University of Nevada as, as an undergrad before going to tech and getting sober. And so there was something special to me about bringing this back to, to that university, but I didn't know anybody really else in recovery. Um, and so what happened is, is just found a faculty person and then just started kind of getting the word out there. And, and we looked at Texas Tech stuff and, and decided kind of what program we wanted to implement. Um, and I just started going to classes. We have an addiction treatment minor, so I went to, and went into every one of those classes, just finding people who were in recovery and, and looking for that support. Um, and so I think it's, you know, what, what's great about this and what's difficult is there's no black and white, do step one, step yep. two, step three. Um, and at the same time, it's organic. And so depending on if, if you're a student or if you're um, a faculty member, you know, it really can start wherever you have access. 
you know, so finding mm-hmm. some advocates on campus, finding some allies. Um, and, it, and honestly, I, I think the first step is, is if you want to give us a call and, and we get the, that information out there, um, you know, we'll help anybody get something started. Even if they don't qualify or they may not be ready, you don't have to get to a certain point to be ready to launch collegiate recovery. Um, we just want to help this, this movement go. And so we're willing to, to work with anybody to kind of take those steps and, and do what it takes and, and find those students because they're, they're there. I guarantee they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, statistics show they're there. The problem is, is we don't wear, you know, this big white R on our chest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people in recovery actually look really normal. In fact, they're your yeah. really good students. And a lot of our students mm-hmm. were engineer students, you know, so they're not your wow. students like you would think of in recovery or like we think of as addiction. Um, the problem is, is most of them are really lonely and feel really isolated and really different um, and need some support and, and need those other students around them. Mm-hmm. And do and you agree? I mean, I'm a big proponent in even though we're in, I mean, we are in recovery and we do belong to anonymous programs or 12-step programs, but I think as individuals, it's important for us to say, you know, hey, my name's Randy and I'm in long-term recovery and to be really open about that and you never know who else is going to be out there going, oh, really, you are? Mm-hmm. So are, do you find that that seems to be more of the norm now within the collegiate recovery communities, or do you think that it's kind of this backdoor thing still that you know people don't want to talk about? I, you know, I think it depends on on the community. I think there has been a lot of of education, if you will, on the difference in saying, um, you know, a program that I that I am involved in that's anonymous as opposed to someone in long term recovery. You know, mm-hmm. I I think it's. You know, if the person's ready, I think it depends on the person. I also think the other side, if, if someone doesn't want to out themselves, they have the right not to do that until they're ready. Sure. Um, right. But I do think it's it's important. You know, what happened for me is, is I started going and sharing my story. And even if it was just talking about being in long-term recovery and kind of became like the token recovery guy on campus, I would get invited <laughs> to talk to the fraternities and the sororities because mm-hmm. I had a story yep. that, you know, they could connect with. And then all of a sudden, people would come up to me afterwards, like, "Man, I got I got thirty days sober, or I got this, or man, I've been in recovery and I'm, I feel so lonely here. Can we meet up?" And so, me being, even though it's scary and it's vulnerable, I, I believe that people have to see that recovery is the the greatest thing that's happened to me. It's changed my life. Um, mm-hmm. And how dare I not tell people that this is possible when it could very well change their life too. Absolutely. And, you know, I look at it also as those of us who are in recovery are some of the strongest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And we can, if we can overcome that, we can overcome pretty much anything that life throws at us. And, mm-hmm. and to be a beacon of that and to show that to other people, you know, being in recovery is not an embarrassment. And I think a lot of the people who still want to kind of keep to themselves and not share it, a lot of times they're almost embarrassed or ashamed of this. But the way I look at it, you know, yeah, sure, if I made some different decisions, I wouldn't be here today. But because of those decisions, look at all the people I get to help. So, sure, you know, people ask, do they ask you also, you know, if you could go back and change it, would you, would you change anything? And it's such a tough question because I don't think I would because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if I wasn't an addict. Right. No, exactly. I think it's, I get that question a lot. That question and then 
if I ever think if, if I'll be able to drink again. <laughs> you know, students ask me, like, when you're 70, do you think you'll be able to drink again? And, and my answer is always the same. It's like, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I have no desire to drink. I have no desire to go back and, and change my past because everything has gotten me here. And the reasons that I drink was, was really to escape who I was. And, and I've embraced life and I'm present now. And so there's, there's no reason. I don't want to miss out on anything. And so I, it's not like... I don't feel like I'm missing out by not drinking or, or, or that I had to go through some of the difficulties and that you go through with addiction to get here um, because, you know, I, it's made me who I am. And if, if it wasn't being in recovery, I wouldn't be here with you and, you know, getting to travel the country and talk about this and, and meeting students and, and kind of being on that, that level with, with students and helping them get into a new life. I think it's, you know, it, we shouldn't be embarrassed of it. You know, it's a stigma, right. and I get it, and it's shame, but, but honestly, I, I, I do. It, we're resilient, and I, I look at it as, as a strength. People that can overcome this, that most people, most people don't, you know, a majority of people don't, um, I think it's, 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 it's huge. I think it's really huge. Yeah, and you know what? You can borrow this one. When people ask me, do you think you'll be able to drink again one day? I say, you know what? Maybe I'm not really an alcoholic. But I know what my life is like now without it. And look at it this way. There's been a dragon that's been in the corner for 32 years. And I don't know if he's dead or just sleeping. But I have no right. reason to go over and poke him to find out. Right. I love that. So I just, love that. just yeah. let it be. Just leave it alone. I love Who that. wants to wake that dragon? I do not want to wake up that dragon. Yeah, because, I mean, we know the risks that are there. And oh, life yeah. is, is so much better. I mean, so much better now. Um, there's no way I, I would want to risk any of this stuff. And, it, and I say that and, and also saying, you know, I've, I've had a lot of friends with long-term recovery that go back out. And so I mm-hmm. think for me, being, and being a person in long-term recovery who shares so much and, and talks so much, it's, it's easy for my public recovery to become my recovery. And what I've oh, learned yeah. is, is that's a dangerous place. And so I have to keep... Uh-huh. A piece of my recovery to myself and in my own personal recovery, and I got to stay in a good place because it's because if you take that analogy, sometimes we don't even know we're poking the dragon to wake him back up <laughs> until he's awake, yeah. you know. And so good I point. think it's, yep. it's it's both, you know. I we I still have to maintain my rec- I'm not afraid of the dragon anymore, um, mm-hmm. but I know that that I still have to maintain my personal recovery um, because I don't want to go back there. Yep, absolutely. And and I was taught early on that there's a difference between your service work and your professional life. Mm-hmm. And to know what those boundaries are so you don't get them messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's an important one too. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You know what? But I have a very healthy respect for the dragon. And yeah. I know what he's capable of, and as long as I respect it and don't take it for granted, then it won't take control again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So wholeheartedly and that's agree. What we, yeah, and that's what we teach other people. So we need to take another short break here. God, this time is flying by. 
And when we come back, uh, I want to talk more about, you know, I want to help that person that's the lone wolf on a campus. It's like, you know what, I want to do something here. What can I do? So I want to spend some more time talking about that and and some other steps that people can take in order to get started on this path and, and what does it take. So uh, when we come back from this short break, we're going to talk to Daniel some more and get some tips for those of you out there who want to start programs on your campus. And uh, we will be right back after these messages. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. With topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems, Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. And welcome back to Rise Radio. I'm your host, Randy Havison, and today we are fortunate to be talking to Daniel Fred from the Transforming Youth Recovery Program up in Reno, Nevada. And uh, God, it's been a great conversation. I can't believe how fast this time is flying by. But uh, one of the things that occurred to me, Daniel, is we have listeners from all around the world, and maybe we're, there's someone listening who's in Australia or the UK or some other country, Brazil, and they're like, you know what, would they be willing to do something here in our country? So is TYR going to be going international, or right now are you focusing on US, or how about Canada, or where are things at with the international scene? Yeah, well, well let me give you TYR's kind of probably... Um official response on this, and we, we don't have any plans. We, we've honestly sure. had some requests um, from different countries, um, but we don't have any plans in our initiatives, you know, to, to take it international. Personally, um, it's only a matter of time. You know, this, this yeah. epidemic, this, this uh, disorder is not, you know, isolated to the United States. <laughs> you know, yep. it's all over. Yeah. It affects people over, and recovery is all over. Um, and so I think I think it's a matter of time, and um, I I just know that we would not you know turn anybody down from having a conversation about how we could help, you know even if it's you know just technical assistance or or uh, or, or brainstorming. So you know I would say don't let that you may not be in the U.S. Um, be a barrier 
to to call and transforming youth recovery to talking to us, to us about collegiate recovery to to doing some homework online and, and checking out our website and, and seeing if there's some things you can do um, because honestly it, it's only a matter of time before this thing goes goes international. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I could see Canada maybe being one of the first places, but I find more and more treatment and recovery support over in the UK and in Australia. So I could see those being really good spots to to start making an international uh, claim and and start doing some stuff over over across the across the pond or across the border. That would be awesome hey, to have that happen. Person, personally, I'm on board. Let's do it. <laughs> and I'll help in any way that I can. Absolutely. Awesome. And in fact, I know some folks at some colleges up in Canada. Um, that might be a good place to start since they're kind of close. So you hey, never know. Hey, let's you yeah, never know. Let's chat. Let's add that to the list of things we we got to chat about after this. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> we will do that. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I think about when I was at at uh, James Madison University, and I'm, I'm by myself, and I'm talking about recovery, and it's like, yeah, let's talk about it at the next cocktail party. It's like, okay, yeah. So I started a program there, a support group for students in recovery. And it was just me doing this group. And I had no idea there were other programs or other things out there. Now, for the practitioner today, it's like, okay, I'm this one person on this campus doing this. Now there's this whole resource that I can go to. But where do they start going on campus? I mean, I know you talked about you know, finding other people in recovery, faculty, and, and things like that. But now you've identified two or three people. Now what do you do? You know, I, I honestly, I, I think it, and not to just keep playing the, you know, the, the not answering, answering. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it depends. But I, I think if it's, say it's just a group of students, um, you know, and not a lot of faculty support, um, it may be starting a, a student organization. And getting a student organization going that features recovery and hosting a weekly meeting that's, you know, an all-recovery meeting um, that's open to people um, because there may be other students who are looking for that and then promoting and advertising. And with with a student org, there's so much you can do besides, you know, we talk about hosted recovery supports, but, but also what we found is some of our students, you know, may not, they don't just want meetings on campus. Um, you know, they want to get out and talk about it and give some hope. And so through student org, you have the availability to get into other groups and to talk to other student orgs and sororities and fraternities and, and to just start spreading the word that there's people in recovery um, and willing to talk about people and, and willing to connect with other people and, and to be there. And so I think that's a great start if it's a, a group of students to do that and to set up a regular meeting where you can connect and no matter what, a few people are going to be there. And I think the most important advice, I give this to people all the time, and, I, and it was something that was given to me when I was really starting our program um, with our, our, our uh, faculty member, was not to despise the day of small beginnings. You know, mm. we, we, want, we all have these grandiose visions and, and want to see these big collegiate recovery programs, and it's mm-hmm. tough, you know, where two students are showing up and, and, you know, maybe five students and maybe one student one week, and... And, and if you're always comparing to where you want to be, it's tough. But, you know, in, in reality, I think this, this thing takes some time. And you've got to be okay with just being there for that one student when they need it and being faithful to that. Um, and, and then it'll just kind of grow on its own. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I started the Students in Recovery Support Group, we had three students for probably the first four months. And they kept saying, when are we going to have more students? 
And it's like whenever we're supposed to have more students, but it's pretty cool that we get to be here doing this. But then as they started becoming more comfortable with their recovery and they were going to meetings, they would meet other students and say, hey, do you want to come to this group that we're doing? And it and meetings that I would go to, I'd hear someone talk about being a student. I'm like, hey, do you know about what's going on on campus? And all of a sudden it started to grow and within... I don't know, nine months to a year, we had two full groups of 12 students each. So, awesome. you know, if you build it, they will come. And yeah, it's just being I patient. And, and I, think, I mean, you bring up a good point, too. I, I think you're, if you're someone in recovery, I mean, you probably have a recovery support already if it's, if it's your own, you know, 12-step group or whatever. And it doesn't hurt to start asking around at those meetings, like, hey, is there anybody that's going to my college or my university that's in recovery? I'm trying to connect with people. Um, and when we started growing, it's because we had students who were really involved with the local AA community, 12-state community, and they just started bringing students who wanted that kind of safety net on campus, and that was our biggest influx. You know, that and, and yeah. getting a room, once we got a room, and that was a consistent space where students could stop in and we were going to be there, um, you know, it exploded after that. But I think, you know, going to your, you know, support system and asking, you know, trying to connect with, even if it's a therapist, you know, having a mm-hmm. therapist try to connect you with other people that are in college or that would be willing or, or be willing to hand out a flyer or something, um, yeah. you know, they're there. They're just, they're just hard to find sometimes. You know what? That's a really good point. Finding local therapists that deal with addiction and asking them. That's a really mm-hmm. good idea. I right. like that one. And, you know, here's another really cool thing that happened in our group. There was this guy who came to talk to me one day. He said, hey, I heard about this recovery group that you're doing on campus. People really like it. Can I go? And I said, well, are you a student at the university? He said, well, I'm not. I said, you know what? Just go enroll in one class. And, and if you enroll in one class, you can come and be a part of our group. And mm-hmm. he did that. And he enjoyed that class so much that he became a full-time student. So it was so cool to watch this guy who thought, I'll never be able to go to school, I'll never be able to get a degree. Now, all of a sudden, the recovery program was the spark that got him back into college. So I'm, I'm so proud of him and the work that he did to get back. But, you know, we need to teach people how to overcome that, that negative, negative thinking that says, I can't do that. And it's like, yeah, you really can. Yeah. So, and, I mean, it's, that's, and it's, you yeah. can probably do it even better than, than most students because you're taking care of yourself. And so you're actually going to mm-hmm. apply yourself. And so, you know, I, I think we find over overwhelmingly on, on, you know, there's national studies that have done this. We did this at, at our university. Um, the study that students within collegiate recovery programs, the average GPA within that program is higher than the average GPA of the university at that, as well as yep. the graduation rates higher and the mm-hmm. retention rates higher. And so it's not just that these students can go and can kind of manage college and, and, and maybe get menial grades. No, they actually do really, really well, and it's beneficial to the college to have a group of these students mm-hmm. um, because they make the university look good. Right. And that's the thing that needs to really, you know, in that political part of what happens in higher education, if we can get to the presidents and the board of directors Mm -hmm. to say, look at what these students are able to accomplish. Don't you want that here on your campus? You know, it seems like that's the ultimate goal to get to that, those decision makers and say, look at the benefits that you're going to be giving to your campus by supporting this program. Right. Yeah, you know, I think we've taken this as, as a grassroots approach, which is awesome. 
and on, on a, a university approach. And one of the things we really want to get into is is connecting with those university presidents, those board of regents. And I mean, ultimately, how I mean, how incredible would it, it be to have you know the president of the United States or, or Congress to you know to pass down almost a mandate um, similar to Title IX? You know that you need to have. Mm-hmm recovery supports on every college, you know, and I I honestly, I think the way the recovery movement's going, it's only a matter of time until we get there. And I think it's people pushing to get there. Um, But I I, I agree with you. There needs to be recovery support and there needs to be people in charge really understanding the types of students that we have in recovery. Yep. Totally agree with that. And I guess the first step to that, you know, here in California, uh, a couple of years ago, the UC system, the University of California collegiate system, said we are going to now mandate that every campus have a recovery program. So it's been so cool to see that take place because a lot of these UCs now have very high-functioning recovery programs. Right, and have the uh, California... I can't think of the name, the CUCRC, their, their annual conference coming up in, in yep. Santa Cruz in about a month. That's going to be exciting, but it is. It's cool to see, you know, all these UC schools and, and then all over California because it spreads past the UC system, you know. Um, oh, absolutely. And it's, it's awesome. It, the same way with the University of Texas system is they, mm-hmm. they instituted it and gave money and just announced they're going to keep giving money to these, and so they're on every – you know, University of Texas, whether it's San Antonio, El Paso, or, or in Austin. Um, and so I, I think awesome. it's only a matter of time to receive more and more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I could see Michigan and New York and Florida doing that as well, which mm-hmm. hopefully this will catch on when they see the advantages. Yeah. You know, when you watch right. dropout rates decrease and GPAs increase, I mean, how do you not support that? Right. <laughs> I agree. So. Yeah, it, and it's kind of cool. I mean, you must feel great. You're at kind of this cutting-edge time of this evolution of this movement, and you're right there riding that wave. It's kind of like snowboarding. You find that perfect powder right. that you're just kind of riding on, and it's like, man, this is a rush beyond all rushes. Yeah, yeah, I love that analogy. I love that analogy. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's exciting being someone who's a student, and, and I mean, honestly, I owe so much of my life to Texas Tech and the Collegiate Recovery Program and Dr. Harris, and um, but then also to, to Stacy and what she was able to help us do at uh, the University of Nevada, Dr. Mary Shadley, and you know, it's it's a, a real balance, and I think you'll understand that. If there's so much possibility, and at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done, and so I'm constantly going back and forth between like excited about everything we're doing, and then you know, the next minute maybe overwhelmed about everything we have to do and, and coming back to a good place um, because it's, it is, it's, it's exciting and, and it's, it's, it's a really good time to be in this field. It's, it's about to really take off. Um, mm-hmm. And I would also add, you know, Randy, I, I just want to say this too, is if you go to our website to transformeryouthrecovery.org, we have a study that we have done that lists um, assets that collegiate recovery programs need um, and so if you're just curious about it, you can go to our website, look at those assets, and begin to accumulate some of those and see maybe what you already have and use that to fit where you're at at your university to get these going um, before you even call us and or before you even decide you want to do something like this. Oh, that's 
That's a great tip. Yeah, and just to let you know, your website is going to be all over this show and on all the media and everything that we do. Uh, we're going to have that transformingyouthrecovery.org website plastered on everything that we do for this show. So, you know, because again, I'm a huge fan of Stacy and and the work that she's doing, and I've known her for a long time and just to have a huge amount of respect for for what she's done and you know I remember when she brought in Ivana and Ivana did great work with the organization and now you're there and I mean I don't think she could find a better fit than you to do this you just seem to be the right guy for the job you have that energy and that passion and and I've really enjoyed talking to you because you're you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now Daniel it is so cool to see Nice. Hey, I I really really appreciate that, Randy. That's really, really really sweet of you, and it's it's good just to chat with you. And I mean, I could so passionate about this, could talk about this this all day. It's it's such an exciting topic, and just to be talking about this, you know, on the radio mm-hmm. is, is yeah, it's so cool, so cool that this is happening. Yeah, and talking about it all over the world. And you know, right. the one thing I wanted I wanted to say, and and this is something I bring up with a lot of guests, like when we're doing really big things, and and like you said, excited about what's going on, but yet it's like, oh my God, there's still so much to do. And I love this phrase, and it comes from the recovery uh, environment. I heard this a long time ago. When we look ahead at how far we still have to go, it's important to look behind us at how far we've already come. So true. And, yeah. and that's this movement. And it can start with that one person that's, you know, there could be someone in Australia who's listening. It's like, wow, I want to do something on a campus here. And they're going to keep at it and keep at it. And they're going to email you and email me and, and keep at it. And, and then maybe something's going to happen six months to a year from now to finally get things going there. And now all of a sudden it's a whole movement, something else. So, you know, for the listeners out there, do not ever think that one person doesn't have a voice and can't make a difference because you absolutely can and you absolutely do. And you're listening to two people here that have thought that same way. And and we took those steps and found the courage and the strength and we kept moving, putting one foot in front of the other. And here we are now. And, you know, I'm a speaker traveling all over. I wrote my book, Party with a Plan. I get to do stuff with that and I get to host a radio show. Are you kidding me? And you're doing this national program, and um, I, I it, it, recovery works, and anything is possible if you just give yourself a chance. And and the world is out there, and and yes, one person can make a difference. And Daniel, you're proof of that, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks. Best best of luck to you, man. Really love what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, and I love what you're doing too. And we will keep in touch, and I'll and I'm sure we're going to talk again soon. And we are out of time for this episode. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email, shoot Daniel an email, anything that we can do to support you in your journey or help you get something started. We're here for you. So this is another edition of Rise Radio signing off, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Rise Radio. Please join your host, Randy Havison, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show, have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.